Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. In this episode, I am just so excited, even delighted to have Stephanie Olson on the show with me today. She has wonderful things to share, informative things to share. I've had a chance to chat with her a little bit, and I I just love her personality already. So I look forward to the conversation that we are going to create together to add to your lives. So with that, Stephanie, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thanks, Pamela. I appreciate it. Well, I am a plethora of things, I would say. I am first a wife of an amazing husband, a mom of three kiddos, not really little kiddos. They're all taller than me. And then I am also a speaker and a podcaster and the CEO of the Set Me Free Project, which is a nonprofit. So I have plenty to keep me busy these days. Wonderful. I love it. And yeah, that is a lot. But it looks like you're juggling it all quite well. Well, I've got a lot of help, which is really important. I think you can't ever do these things alone. And so as I age, I'm learning where I need to ask for help and where I need to delegate and things like that. So it's getting a little easier. That's great. So I already know some areas where I'm going to be gleaning from. It's still a work in progress, but you know. (laughs) Well, that's great. I know that you do a lot of work to help people around the issue of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And I got to say that subject is very important to me too. I also have a nonprofit and I'm looking to actually partner with more groups. The whole idea of mine is to be the next steps. Once people have been uh, released from sex Mm -hmm. trafficking, how do we get them to get acclimated back into society? I'm an educator, so there's educators around me who want to play a part, help them polish their resume and all this kind of stuff. So we have that in common. But again, I digress. (laughs) No, I love that because as we talk, we will find that we would make a great partnership in that. So wonderful, you know. Got appointment right there. Divine appointment. <laughs> Look words, at this. Words are hard. Yes. <laughs> and you asked to be on my show and didn't even know that I had. I didn't. Also. No, <laughs> no, that is fabulous. Something we have in common. Okay. So yeah. I look forward to us talking a yeah. little later. I'm eager to know this work that you're doing. So you do this work, but what got you into this field of supporting others in this particular area? So I always say kicking and screaming. I came into this kicking and screaming because I was born into trauma and throughout my life really had to learn how to overcome that. I'm a survivor of sexual and domestic violence. I'm a recovering alcoholic. God's definitely brought me through a lot of things in my life. And when I was older and really had found a lot of healing through those things, Mm -hmm. actually started a women's ministry where I was speaking and teaching all over the US. We would put on amazing events and just really see life-changing things happen in Mm -hmm. those experiences. I worked with a lot of women in the area of addiction and homelessness and sexual and domestic violence. And it was just a fabulous experience. And one of the women that I worked with, uh, she was on our prayer team actually. And she said, Mm -hmm. Hey, let's help sex trafficked victims. That's a quote. And Mm -hmm. I thought, Oh, great idea. Having no idea really 
what that meant or what Mm -hmm. we were supposed to do in that. Mm -hmm. And so we started to do a lot of research, a lot of study. Um, We did a lot of training in that area, but I had also been speaking to youth in our schools Mm-hmm. on healthy relationships, middle and high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that there was a lot of good things happening or starting in the area of restoration and recovery in our area mm-hmm. and very much on the victim service end, which is critical, but no one was talking to the targets of trafficking. No one was working to prevent it. And so I wound up connecting with a couple amazing educators and in two month time period, they said, get me a curriculum. And I looked and I thought, gosh, there is no curriculum out there that is really, and this was at that time that is really it was all very fear-based and fear-mongering and there was nothing really written to youth. And so I wrote a curriculum that the foundation is you have an intrinsic value that no one can change. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. And I wrote that as the foundation and you know, I always look at the other things as symptoms, sex mm-hmm. trafficking, drug addiction, all those things as symptoms of not recognizing who you are and your uh, own value. You know what? I want to ask you more specifically to peel back the layers of that yeah. and get help us get to the core. But yeah. I feel or sense that I already have an idea of what you're talking about. And just to say to you, I had trauma in my background mm. too. As yeah. a child, I was sexually violated. Mm. It affected Sorry. me in ways that it's taken me a lifetime to yes. figure out yes. what's really been making me tick. And even at this age, I'm discovering things. I'm like, oh my God, I made this decision and that decision yep. based on this place of insecurity or even anxiety. And I didn't even know that this was driving me. So I think I have an idea what you're talking about, but I want to hear more of how you're going to describe it to us in just a minute. But before we go there, I have another question before we get to that point. Can you tell us about a trauma or circumstance that you face that may have prepared you to be touched so deeply by this topic and to be able to be a change agent for others. I know you touched on it a little bit, but can you share, I guess, a few more details? I think the more details we share when we're transparent and candid, those out there who've experienced it's like, yeah, this person really does know. Yeah. And so they're going to listen. I think you're absolutely right. So in a nutshell, my trauma originated from a very abusive biological father. So I was born to an amazing woman and a very abusive man. Mm -hmm. And when I was only a year old, she escaped from that relationship, Mm -hmm. which was great. But as a little girl, my biological father did nothing to reach out to me. No, no birthday cards, no phone calls. Mm -hmm. He was gone. And so that abandonment by my biological father just kind of set things in motion where I was looking for that value. You know, if your own father doesn't love you, you must not be lovable. If your own father doesn't think you're worthy, you must not be worthy. And that really set the trajectory of my life, becoming the cliche of looking for love in all the wrong places Mm -hmm. and things like that, and trying to numb anger and pain and things Mm -hmm. through alcohol and drugs. I wound up in circumstances during high school and college throughout my life where I was actually raped um, four times. And and the first time it happened, it was by a boyfriend Mm -hmm. who actually acknowledged afterwards that he raped me. Mm -hmm. However, it wasn't until I was doing this work and as an adult and somebody who had been through this and was helping others through this, that I realized I was sitting in a conference and I was one of the speakers and 
I was speaking with some, a trauma therapist and she said something and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. Oh my gosh, I was raped. Mm. I had never acknowledged or believed that I had been raped because I turned it around to, it was something I did. It Mm -hmm. was, I was drinking, I was whatever it was Mm -hmm. facing that. And so that experience of just hearing that was so healing for me because then I was able to go back and, you know, kind of weed out those things. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens so often to so many individuals who are trafficked. They don't Mm -hmm. even recognize they're being trafficked because of that grooming process, because of those things. So with that, I think what you said was so poignant because it wasn't as if I made a conscious decision, you know, because of this, I'm going to do this because of this, I'm going to do this. I really do believe that those are things that um, can be used throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even realize why we're going into the work we do. We're just called into the work we do. And then sometimes it comes out through that calling. So, yeah. I just want to thank you because you did go ahead and just be very candid, very real about your story. And it helps me understand even why. Because I don't think people just gravitate to a thing, especially Mm -hmm. something like this, without there being something inside. God allows us to have certain experiences, even when they're difficult experiences, to help prepare us for that higher calling, so to speak. A lot of times it's the area where you've had pain, you're also touched by or angered by. Like, for instance, listening to you talk about yourself, you didn't believe in yourself because of the abandonment from your father. And I'm looking at you physically, you're beautiful. I'm I'm learning about you inwardly. You seem beautiful. It literally angered me to think that someone like you didn't know it for however long you didn't know it. And therefore it was affecting your life, controlling your life and causing you to make decisions that was harmful to you and potentially even people around you just because you had that false belief about your self-worth. So yeah, that angered me and it made me think it's those things that make you angry about life. But oftentimes it pushes you to do something about it. So true. (laughs) Well, you know, when you said that really struck me because One of the things I would say is I wish I could see myself through other people's eyes, Mm -hmm. but imagine if you were sitting there talking to little Pamela, Mm -hmm. would you say the same things to little five-year-old Pamela that you say to grown-up Pamela? And that's how I think about it. You know, some of the things that I would say to myself or would do to myself or would allow other people to, I would never allow that to little Stephanie. When you look at it in that perspective, it does anger you because that was a little girl that was taken advantage of. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Wow. Well, again, thank you for sharing. So let's move into uh, one of your statements that I'm eager to hear you elaborate on. What do you mean by the statement that you help to bring prevention to thousands of youth, teaching them? that they have an intrinsic value that no one can change, mm-hmm. especially that part that no one can change. I want to hear you elaborate. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, first of all, our curriculum was based on biblical foundations going into public schools. We can't speak to that, but that doesn't change the bottom line of that intrinsic value and who we are and who we were created to be. And so what we need to understand just as youth, but as human beings as a whole, that we do have an intrinsic value, which means it is something inside of us, that worth, that human dignity, that Mm -hmm. the fact that we are created in God's image. Right. And so that no one can change. Now I can do a whole bunch of terrible things. I could leave here today, go rob a bank, Mm -hmm. which I won't do, but I could do that. Right. And 
that does not change my intrinsic value. Now that intrinsic value, I may make extremely bad choices. I could do things that take me off track, but who I am in Christ, that doesn't ever change. And so I think it's just discovering that, recognizing that, understanding that. I had a little boy say to us, he was in eighth grade. And after one of our educators was in the school, he said, no one has ever told me I have value. No Mm -hmm. one. And so we started talking to him. Now he started to share with us that he had experienced a lot of sexual abuse and physical abuse in his home. When that happens, we have to report it as mandated reporters. And we let him know that. So usually we don't find out what happens after that. He emailed us a month later and said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I was taken out of my home. It was the scariest thing I had ever experienced, but I'm safe for the first time in my life. And that's because of you. That's beautiful. And then he emailed us a month later and said, Hey, it's my birthday and I'm having a birthday because of you. And that's the importance of recognizing that intrinsic Mm -hmm. value that no one can change. That's what it's all about. Right. I agree with you. It's so important. We all make mistakes. Yep. We all do bad things or things we're not proud of. Yep. Every day. That's what I was about to say. We may just continue to do that. That's right. (laughs) For the rest of our lives. (laughs) Not intentionally on purpose, like premeditated, hopefully. But that's going to happen. That's part of life. Right. But oftentimes when we make those mistakes, we internalize it and start saying, I'm such a bad person. I don't have value. I'm not worth it. How could I have done this? Not realizing every single person is doing something they're not proud of. That's right. Some have the ability to still feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not saying feel good about the thing you did, but feel good about yourself and bounce back. You fell on your face, jump right up and keep moving. When we fall on our face, we just have to jump back up and keep going. Knowing that falling on your face is part of the process. And I got to tell you, some of the times I fell on my face is what taught me the lesson so I could do better. Always. It is through (laughs) the difficult times in life that we grow, that we learn. It's never through the easy times. That's when we learn. And so you know, God does use those opportunities to help us grow, to build our character, to do yeah. things like that. Yeah. It's and huge. I want the whole world to know what you're saying. It does mm-hmm. not change your value. It no. does not change. No. You are worth something, even when you fall, even when you mess up and maybe yep. even especially when you do, because yes. God's going to take that and use it. Like we're talking about yes. it's from our place of pain that we are targeting this area and trying to help others. You are so, so right. Ultimately good came from bad situations. Here's what I always say. God wastes absolutely nothing. So when we are doing things or when we experience things that are not the way we think it should go, God can use those and turn them into something that can glorify him. And I think that's the key thing. We can camp in that place where we're, oh, life is horrible. This is terrible. But if we are willing to do the hard work and to really surrender that, God can use that for whatever he wants to use it for. It's so true. I like the way you use camp. I usually say we we can't park. Yeah, <laughs> right. Park at Sorry Babari and, you know, <laughs> condemn ourselves at some point. You have to just say, you know what? Life happens. I made yeah. this mistake. I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because I noticed it's that self-talk or the, you know, the enemy is speaking into your mind saying, mm-hmm. you are this, you are that. And recently, one of the things I have really been doing intentionally is stopping that thought and saying, no, you are a liar. I am a child of God. I am royalty. 
and I have Christ in me. And just saying that, yeah, you know, really just changes everything at that moment. It's so true. Mm-hmm. And not accepting those negative thoughts as your own thoughts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. That's great. I think you touched on it earlier, but I want to know more. So you you speak all over the nation, it sounds like, to youth and to adults on human mm-hmm. trafficking. You're on social media. You're going to be on my podcast You talk about healthy relationships, trauma, addiction, and resilience. Mm -hmm. With all that work nationwide, can you give us a little sense of, I guess, the pulse of what all this means in America right now? And and what do you know about it even potentially worldwide? What can you share? Yeah. Well, a couple of things, because there's two trajectories here. So our human trafficking work, healthy relationships, social media safety, we are doing our best to get our curriculum in every school in the United States. That's our goal. But also to get people to understand the importance of prevention. We are a very reactive country. We tend to respond to things, which is not a a bad thing in and of itself, but if we're not proactive at the same time, only one to 2% of trafficked individuals are recovered or rescued Mm -hmm. one to 2%. So if we can actually stop it first, that's huge. And I do do a lot of work in, in the area of resilience and trauma and at women's events, but also in corporations and how to have those conversations, things like that. We are at a very critical spot, I think, in our country as far as how we communicate, how we treat each other. There's a lot of anger in our country. And so that is kind of coming to a head. But we also have a lack of learning how to communicate. Because of social media, we have learned not learned how to communicate as well one on one, but we also are very quick to respond on Facebook or wherever we are in anger because somebody doesn't agree with us. And so that is causing just kind of this whole entire divisive, awful conversation. And it's hard to have those honest conversations. So I experienced this trauma. This is how I'm going to deal with it. And if you're in my pathway, I don't care. Get out of the way. And I think that we need to go back and learn how to have those healthy conversations. How do we heal from trauma? How do we embrace our trauma? And then, yeah. And how do we then just be loving people again? Okay. And there's different kinds of trauma. We need a healing just around having healthy conversations, like you said. Oh, absolutely. And having the willingness to have courageous conversations. Yes. Going into it knowing that it might be a little uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't play a part and be respectful of all the perspectives that are laid out. Yep. Um, Exactly. (laughs) We have such a hard time with that. Well, in fact, even if you link these two together, human trafficking and some of those conversations, Mm -hmm. there is a mindset out there in some of the communities in this work that if I come across somebody who is being trafficked, I shouldn't tell them that they're being trafficked or I, and, and you shouldn't. So uh, most people don't self-identify as trafficked and you should not go up to someone and say you are being trafficked. No, but as you build that relationship, as you have those conversations, you start to point out what is healthy, what is not healthy is this. And there is actually a dynamic in this space that says, no, you shouldn't ever tell people you let them find their own truth and create their own truth in their own way. And I thought that is the biggest bunch of crap I have ever heard. Because if somebody would have told me, Hey, Stephanie, what you experienced is called rape. Mm. I wouldn't have gone through that time Mm. of that self-condemnation, that self-shame that, that I could have actually worked. So it's a, we've got to get to a place of, I call it insanity right now. There's so much insanity (laughs) out there. We've got to get up to a place of honesty and respect and 
loving that other person. Wow. You said a lot. And I my, said a lot. Yes. My mind shifted back and <laughs> forth because I actually understood both perspectives. I could see someone shutting down. Yep. They don't want to hear that or uh, it's even another form of condemnation in their ears, so to speak. Maybe they feel like they're not good enough or they can't get out of it. They're just, this is just the way it is for me. And I was thinking of a Socratic approach where you question them to the self-discovery. That's exactly, that's exactly what, and, what we do. I mean, you're sharing enough information. It's kind of like a guided questioning scenario, but then I can relate to what you said too. I feel like there were people around me that knew a, about my abuse, but they mm. never said it to me. Mm. So I wrestled with it for years, even second wow. guessing myself. Am I crazy? Am I, wow. you know, <laughs> so yeah. it happened to me mm. at such a young age. Mm-hmm. It's like I had a memory that I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it would flicker in my mind and you feel kind of some shame to even speak Mm -hmm. it. Of course. And nobody around you is speaking it, even though they have knowledge. So I had to be an adult to finally have the courage Mm -hmm. to say it out loud. Yeah. Only to discover that other people knew. And I'm like, my goodness, if you had told me, it would have saved me from a lot of the emotional trauma. And there is a right and a wrong way to do it. And so here's what I say, talk about questions. So I always say the number one way to prevent human trafficking is building relationships. Traffickers build great relationships. We need to build better ones. Mm -hmm. So when you're in relationship with somebody that has any issue whatsoever. So let's say you've got a daughter who is in an abusive relationship with her boyfriend, for example, Mm -hmm. the worst thing you can say is you're in an abusive relationship. That would be the worst thing. Instead, it would be asking questions like, so tell me about your date last night. What did you do? How did that make you feel? Does he make you feel like you're a princess or a queen? Does he make you feel good about yourself? When you leave his presence, are you feeling better about yourself than when you first entered Mm -hmm. his presence? Asking those kind of things. If you're talking to someone who you suspect might be trafficked, Hey, so I see you got all this money. Tell me what you get to do with your money. Mm -hmm. You've got a new boyfriend, new gosh, what do you do together? Those are the kinds of things that you're doing. And then if you have someone who says, you know, he doesn't make me feel really good about myself. Well, let's talk about that. What, what do you think that is? That's how you address it. It's you're never going to interpret that as love or they care about you. Right. Right. Yeah, I think you really hit it on the target when you said relationship. I think relationship is key to everything about life. And relationship allows you the ability and the time to discern Mm -hmm. the approach to use. Right, right. Because we're all different. And what works for one may not work for another one. And you can't discover those things without relationship. That's right. That's great. Right. Good stuff. So who is at risk for trafficking and what does it look like? Well, that's a great question. So I will say, first of all, we are all at risk to be trafficked, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. There is different kinds of human trafficking, sex, labor. And so everyone is at risk to some extent. When mm-hmm. we're talking specifically sex trafficking, infants to senior citizens are trafficked for sex. And we know, and that's a horrific evil. I was in Atlanta not too long ago. And we all know Atlanta is like number one in the country uh, for sex trafficking. And that was the big conversation that they're now trafficking. I shouldn't say now like it's Mm -hmm. new, but older women, older Mm -hmm. people. Absolutely. That blew me away. That's how out of the know I was. Because a lot of people might say something like, well, I wouldn't be trafficked because I don't look like whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's about at all. It's about power. It's about control. It's about money. 
the way that traffickers are luring the individuals they traffic, and this is critically important, they're not getting kidnapped. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, watch out for that white van. It's kind of come by. They're going to kidnap you. Don't go to Walmart alone, whatever the case may be. Right. And why but, is the man always white? <laughs> I don't know. It's that's they're scary that way. Right. <laughs> white vans are scary, but that is not typically how traffickers are doing it. They are building relationships. And the number one way that they're luring individuals is through things like social media. And wow. so now we've got this individual who is maybe in the grooming process. So you build trust, you fill a need, you, all of that stuff could be a year's time that this trafficker is taking time to groom the individual they're trafficking. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily overnight. And so it does look very different than we think it looks like. And traffickers go after the vulnerable. Now, We all have vulnerabilities, all of us. And some of those vulnerabilities could be the typical, like somebody in poverty, somebody who is on the streets, for example. But the reality is that one of the biggest vulnerabilities is I'm on social media and I allow people to follow me. I don't know. And I start to build a friendship with this person. And now this is my boyfriend. This is my romantic partner. This is my friend. This is someone I trust. And then I'm going to ask them to do something that they would never typically do. But now I am choosing it. I'm not being forced to quote unquote, I'm choosing it with human trafficking. There is force fraud or coercion and force is what we often think about the, you know, here's a gun kidnapping, but it's usually that fraud and coercion piece that takes place in trafficking. And that's why it's so hard to get out. We're also seeing an increase of familial trafficking, which is mom and dads are the traffickers. Grandma and grandpas are the traffickers. It is quite a a terrible thing. In fact, a lot of times we think, okay, this place is going to have more trafficking than this place. And there are things that make certain areas more hotspots, but I'm in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, which is a great city, but there's also a a lot of people are like, do you still have cows and all the, some people do, right? Some people (laughs) have farms. I don't, I don't have any farms, but Nebraska is one of the top, is one of the biggest hotspots for trafficking. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it really does look very different. I have to say. white man. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Wow. Yeah. So it's almost that people are at such a emotional deficit. Yes. In some way, in some area in their lives that it opens them up to strange and odd relationships that a healthier emotional state would automatically know yes. to move on. Which is why the education piece is so critical, which is why we want to get our curriculum in every school. Cause we do have a curriculum from kindergarten through college age for youth alone and yeah. adults of every facet of the community but it is all about that education and prevention piece. Mm -hmm. You can be a 35-year-old, 47-year-old, but such an emotional deficit Mm -hmm. that you are open and therefore a target. Yes. Wow. Well, thank you for educating me. You really did hit Mm. the nail on the target again or the Mm. arrow (laughs) about who's at risk. Yeah. And what does it look like? Boy, have right. you opened my eyes to what it looks like. So how does trauma affect our lives and what does resiliency look like? Mm. Well, first I will say everyone experiences trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think you said that earlier, there are different levels of trauma but trauma is trauma is trauma. So there could be acute trauma, which is it happens one time and maybe that's a car accident for, for instance, Mm -hmm. one time trauma, 
but that could impact your life in so many different ways. That could be an extremely traumatizing event. I know a woman who was in a car accident, lost her daughter, lost her memory for a long extent of time. When she got her memory back, I mean, she had been in a coma. It was found out when she woke up, her daughter had died in that accident. How traumatic would that be? But then at the same time, I was in a car accident with my kids in the car. My daughter, who was five years old at the time, just shut down. And that was a traumatic experience. Then there's that trauma that is trauma that happens over a period of time, sexual abuse, physical abuse, chronic trauma, like human trafficking, sex, Mm. those types of things. Trauma impacts us all differently in different ways, and it will manifest in different ways in our lives. But recognizing that there is trauma is so critical. And one of the things I hear a lot is, oh, don't trigger me. You just triggered me. Please don't Uh talk. No, let trauma trigger you Mm -hmm. because it's through those triggering moments Mm -hmm. that you can identify it and then heal through it. Where were you like 10 years ago? (laughs) I was dealing with my trauma. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You're still dealing with your trauma. Well, you should have been here to help me deal with mine. (laughs) A traumatic event at work, I'll say, triggered that childhood. I was like, what is happening to me? I'm not even acting like myself. I'm the strong leader. Mm -hmm. Where is strong Pamela? I could not find her. I was reduced to that little girl. And I kept attributing it to what was happening in my present. I'm like, as bad as this is, how could this reduce me to this? And I had to start peeling away and God started showing me that he actually allowed the present event to trigger the past event. So I could finally deal with it. And finally see how fear, which I never knew, Mm. because I saw myself as such a woman of faith. Mm -hmm. And I was, but there were new levels he wanted for me. And to achieve those new levels, first it had to be exposed. Mm -hmm. The amount of fear that was actually driving me so that I could fulfill my purpose in a new way. And... It's amazing. So I know what you're talking about. We want those triggers to happen. A lot of us would say, no, we don't. But yes, we actually do. We do. Key to healing. That's correct. And that's what resilience is all about. Mm -hmm. Resilience is about two steps back, three steps forward, four Mm -hmm. steps back, two steps forward. It's about falling down and getting back up. I've never heard anyone explain Mm -hmm. it that way. I love the way you explain resilience. I explain what I've lived, right? (laughs) So that's so empowering Mm. because I don't have to feel bad about the two steps back because then I'm going to boomerang three or four steps forward as a result. It's like you have to revisit the past to really live your future. Mm. And when we're revisiting the past, it can seem like we're going two steps back, but we really are moving those three or four steps forward. That's right. Oh, I love it. I got to tell you, I'm going to steal it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, please. It's important. Everyone knows. Yeah. I'm going to adopt your language here. (laughs) It's mine. I love it. And I hope everyone sees and embraces the brilliance that you just spoke. I mean, who hasn't talked about resilience or resiliency? Never heard it explained that way. And it was like a light bulb. I love it. Because we always exclude the struggle. Uh I was sharing with a women's group last night that I have learned that I really got to embrace that good and bad happens in life. And the more I understand that the bad is still part of life. I'm less shocked and reactive to it. And I roll my sleeves up and I say, okay, here it is. Mm. And I got to get through this. Let's get through it. Rather than 
why is this happening to me? It only happens to me. Yes. (laughs) And you know what? Take a moment in that, eat some chocolate, some ice cream, whatever, cry, and and then move on, move forward. That's right. Come out swinging. I love that. (laughs) Exactly. At the end of the day, when I feel cornered, like there's Mm -hmm. nowhere to go. Like there's literally nowhere to go. So I'm going to have to swing my way out of this corner. I love that. I like that you said, yeah, experience those feelings. Embrace that you feel that way. Be honest, but don't park there. Don't camp there. That's right. That's the thing. That's right. (laughs) So how can we show value and worth to ourselves and others? You know, it's really simple. Not always easy, but it's really simple. So I'm going to start with others because I think it's easier to show value to others. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Be kind. Look people in the eyes when you're communicating with them. Mm-hmm. Tell them if you see somebody, I actually stopped somebody on the street because I saw something amazing about them. I was in a car. It probably looked really creepy, but I stopped the car. I, I rolled down my window and I was like, that is amazing. And had a little conversation. She was just, she lit up and I went on my way. Have those moments where you're willing to tell somebody something that you would want to hear. I think that's how you show value in others. And then if, if I I want to interject just really quickly, because you're touching on something I live by. Yeah. Probably for the last 20 years of my life, I've said it to myself. I've said, if I think something positive, I'm going to say it out loud. Yes. And if I have the opportunity to say it out loud to the person, I'm going to do it to the person. I love that. I have experienced something similar to what you said. People just get illuminated. They, yes. They're like, wow, if I think your hair is fabulous, you have a great yes. smile or just whatever it is, you're a good person. Say it out loud. Why keep those treasures to yourself mm-hmm. when right. it can add such value to the person that you're actually thinking it about? I love that. <laughs> I, it's so simple, but it's so important. Now with people that we know intimately, mm-hmm. I think that we need to do the same thing, mm-hmm. but on a bigger scale, say you're married, letting your husband know, you know what, when you did that for me, that made me feel this way. And I really appreciate you mm-hmm. that a simple thing. your kids. One of the biggest advice I always give parents, cause we do a lot of, I do a lot of work with parents as well, but I can't remember who gave me this advice, but I've held on to it. When your kiddo walks in the room, you should look like it is the best thing you have ever seen in your entire life. Like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's how you show value to people. Letting them know that what they've done is important and you appreciate it. I love it. And just walking into the room is important. Yes. Just being you is amazing. Thank you for being you. What you said though, is kind of speaking life through action, smile. Yes. But that's affirming too, Mm -hmm. just as much as the words. That's harder for us to do with us. And I think that showing value to yourself is all about taking care of yourself. We definitely don't want to put ourselves first in every aspect of life. That's a unhealthy thing, but there are real times where we need to stop and we need to put ourselves first. Mm -hmm. We need to take a bath. We need to take a nap. We need Mm -hmm. to eat that chocolate. We need to, whatever it Mm -hmm. is that we need to do at that moment, as long as it is healthy and moral and not illegal right. for us, right? <laughs> and we won't hurt, to, hurt others. <laughs> right. We need to be able to take those moments and say, okay, I'm going to take a nap and not feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. But then also I think acknowledging when, when somebody compliments you and you've seen the extremes, right? The people who are like, oh, stop. I'm not, no, say yeah. thank you. Take it in. What they have just said, they said because of a reason, take that in and accept it. Thank you. Thank you. And I think those are ways to really show value to yourself. 
Wow. You know, I agree with you the way you explain that. Uh, I didn't know where you were going with that because one of the things I thought about while I was listening to you, uh, as you explain how it's easier for us to show value to others, mm-hmm. my mind kind of went to when you don't love yourself, when you're not okay with yourself, mm-hmm. it's hard to genuinely do that for others. So I yes. was saying to myself, do I fully agree with what she's saying? Mm-hmm. But the way you explain that, I do agree. The way I was thinking of it is just pointing to the fact that we have homework to do. We all have Correct. homework to do with ourselves to get in that healthy place. Yes. But when you get in that healthy place, certainly show that love. How can I love you if I don't love myself? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work like that. When we talk about that deep digging, right? So mm-hmm. we're talking about, I reject everything about me. I'm not secure in who I am. I'm not confident in Christ, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. There are going to be also things that we will respond to in that kind. So we may not treat our husband well, or we may not treat our children well, and those types of things. That is definitely something where we do need to get healing. That's a whole lot deeper Mm -hmm. than a smile or things like that. But here's what I will tell you that our behavior moves before our feelings. So in other words, we may feel like crap someday, but if we behave in a way, I agree. Yeah. Our feelings are going to follow. It's true. From the outside in Mm -hmm. by trying to help someone else, you can get helped in the process. That's right. (laughs) I'm not talking about things like clinical depression or, you know, that I'm just talking about, I wake up and I'm in a bad mood Yeah, and I can behave in a way that resonates that I'm in a bad mood, or I can behave in a way that says I'm not, and I will get out of that bad mood by the end of that day. So yeah. Very good. All of this is good stuff. And I do like the way you explained it. I even like the way you, it's true. We don't do that self-care. We don't Mm -hmm. show that value to ourselves. We don't allow ourselves to just rest when our body is screaming for it. Yes. So guilty. Aren't we all? Yes. (laughs) What do you know that can be a bridge to help someone else get to their next level best regarding this topic? Premise of my show is let's go to the next level best together. Here's what I know. I don't know what people are going through necessarily. I don't know how to help them heal or bring healing, but I know the one who knows. Mm. And when you have a relationship with God and really allow Christ to permeate your being it changes everything. It does not make it perfect. You're not going to necessarily get that Cadillac tomorrow, right? <laughs> but your life will improve as you lay it down to him. I agree 100%. So there's a question I ask everyone. What's one final gem? If, if my audience forgets everything you said today, hold on to this. And I'm going to ask you to be specific as it relates Mm -hmm. to your work around human trafficking. Mm -hmm. If they forget everything, come on, people, remember this one thing. What's your gym? Remember that human trafficking is not one of those um, crimes, those events that only happens to other people. Mm -hmm. And because of things like social media, your kiddos, your grandkiddos are at risk and it's in your home because Mm -hmm. of social media. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship that we have with people in our lives is critical is critical to help prevent human trafficking, but there's no way you can do it alone. So get educated, learn what you can do, learn how to help our kids safely navigate social media. And that would be the one thing, get educated about human trafficking and know that it's not those people over there. It's your kids, your grandkids in your home. It's so rampant. You have to look at it that way. You yeah. Have to embrace yeah. It. I was in a meeting a couple of years ago and the statistics that they shared, I don't remember the numbers anymore, but I remember looking around the room saying, based on those statistics, somebody in this room is involved with it. 
most definitively, most (laughs) definitively. And here's what else I'll tell you. So number one place that luring happens is on social media. One of the top fives is school. So we need to get our kiddos educated on what it looks like, what it does not look like, what are the lures of the traffickers and how they can not only keep themselves safe, but be advocates for each other. And then how we as parents and community members can do that. And so that's why we, as the set me free project, we do what we do because that's so critical. I love it. God bless you for what you do. Thank you. And, and yeah, you. we got to talk another time. Yes, yes we do. Because <laughs> I mean, I can see some great work coming out of this. So wonderful. Yeah. Please share any information you would like to share about how my audience might contact you. Yeah. you books, how can they get your books, the lessons that you have, just whatever you want to share, go for it. We're also going to put it in the show notes, but great. let's verbally share what, whatever you'd like to as well. Absolutely. Well, you can find out just about everything about me on stephanieolson.com. So that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E Olson, O-L-S-O-N. I always say I spell those two right. And (laughs) .com. You can find my podcast. You can find information to get me as a speaker for an event or your corporation. But then you can also go to setmefreeproject.net and find out all of the information about how to get the curriculums in your schools, in, in your communities. And um, I think those are the best two best places. I'm on all the socials and things like that, but those, you can find everything out mm-hmm. about me. I love it. Thanks so much. Thank I am you. just so happy uh, that we connected. We did have some rearranging to finally it's okay. Yes, we so did it. I'm happy that we got yes. to have this conversation. It's so rich, so informative, and it's been fun. You're it a has been. person. We'll be in touch. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Thank you, Pamela. You're welcome. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.